welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lanham. During a time when news organizations are seeing cutbacks and newspapers are closing throughout the nation, one man is trying to weather that storm locally by keeping a daily newspaper five days a week online and weekly in print, alive and growing. That man is Jeff Jellison, publisher of the Hamilton County Reporter. I talked with Jeff Jellison during the morning of Friday, May 17th. I'm at the studios of HCTV, which is in Noblesville, and my guest today is Jeff Jellison. Jeff is the publisher of the Hamilton County Reporter. Jeff, it's it's a pleasure to have you here. Good morning, Larry, and thank you for allowing me to, to participate in no, this No, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. Really glad you accepted the invitation. And here's one of the reasons I wanted to talk. There's several, but the, one of the main reasons has to do with the, the shape of the newspaper business today. It's nothing like what it had been most of my journalistic career, and even when I was out of journalism uh, for years working for the federal government. So I'd like you to spend a moment, just talk to my audience about how The Reporter was started and how you got from the start to where you are today. Well, The Reporter started uh, seven years ago, coming up on seven years ago, uh, as a small newspaper in Sheridan, Indiana. Uh, Sheridan, obviously, is, is a tremendous community, a lot of history there. And uh, they're kind of stuck up in the northwest corner, wasn't getting a lot of, of coverage of their, of their town, their events, and, and certainly have a historic athletic program up there. So I made a decision kind of as a business venture to, uh, uh, to go up to Sheridan and say, hey, I'd like to do a newspaper for you folks. And I didn't know how it would be accepted. Um, I had never had any experience in newspaper business. Obviously, if you've lived in Hamilton County for any significant period of time, you know my father, Don Jellison, who had spent 60 years in the newspaper business. Uh, so I didn't know how it would be accepted. Uh, I just started walking the streets of, of Sheridan and, and just talking to people and uh, to see if they would accept it and support it. Uh, and, and they did. We, we grew at that point. People in Sheridan were saying, hey, we want to know what's going on over in Hamilton Heights and Cicero and Arcadia because, really, U.S. 31 is the only thing that divides those communities, and, uh, you know, especially with sports. Uh, the Blackhawks wanted to know if the Huskies won, you know, on Friday night football kind of thing. So we then expanded. I say we. It was still just me at that point uh, across the northern part of the county. And... Uh, I had many times tried to talk to my father about leaving the newspaper he was working for at that time and uh, coming on board with me. And he just, he was very uh, stubborn about not wanting to do that. He had been employed with that newspaper for a long, long time and didn't feel like it was time yet for him to leave. Uh, so I, I knew I needed dad uh, to, to go eventually countywide, which at that point was my goal. Uh, and then one day I, I got a phone call and he said, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, we have to expand into Noblesville and into the rest of Hamilton County. And I said, well, let's give it a shot. So Don left uh, the, the Times newspaper that he was working for 
uh, and we immediately expanded into Noblesville and then quickly expanded into uh, all of Hamilton County. Uh, so that, that's that's our start, and uh, you know we're we're blessed to to have such a just a fantastic readership uh, from people from around the county. I want to talk about that because you started the paper and started to grow the paper from Sheridan uh, County. Well, of course, your father I, I'd read him a lot in the Noblesville Daily Ledger. Right. Here's a newspaper that had been around for a hundred years, was bought up and shut down. It's just the story of newspapers today, isn't it? But, it uh, is. but but you uh, and later your father grew this paper at a time when newspapers were cutting back, when newspapers were closing. How did you get your business model to work in an atmosphere like that? Well, when we first started and went countywide, there were several people in the newspaper business that said, first of all, y- you can't challenge a hundred-year-old newspaper. And my response to them is, I'm not challenging anybody. I'm going to put a product out that I think that people will like. Uh, and, and so that was the approach that I took. Um, the, the, the newspaper business is somewhat an antiquated business uh, for a long, long time, until just very recently. It was print newspaper. And people today don't get their news that way or don't receive their news that way, I guess might be a better way to put that. So, you know, in the back of my mind, I always knew that that there was a way to reach out and touch uh, little Johnny's mom who's sitting at soccer practice waiting on it to get done and she could read Hamilton County News. And really didn't want to do that through social media. We wanted to provide our own product. So we decided to go with a digital newspaper in newspaper format. And instead of the post office delivering it, we were going to deliver it via email. Uh, Had to do that, one, financially, because the cost of of print today is skyrocketing and postage cost. Uh, So we had to figure out a way as as a new business that didn't have a lot of capital uh, to deliver our product. Now, you still have a, a weekly print edition that you do publish, correct? We do. And but what, I, what impresses me is that you t- did a very interesting concept here because uh, you send out an email every day, and it's in a P- what's called a PDF format. So it, it's laid out just like a print newspaper, but it's delivered via the Internet. Right, right. And, and people like that. They don't have to go to a website to read their news. It, all they got to do is open their email box and it's there. And they click a link and there's a newspaper. Um, so uh, people have told us they enjoy it. People have told us uh, it's the first thing they do every morning. I had a Noblesville City Councilman one time uh, tell me the first thing he does is when his alarm goes off is roll over, grab his phone, look at the reporter, and that decides whether he's going to get out of bed that day or not. <laughs> That's that's great. Yeah, you, there was there was an old story during uh, one presidential tenure where the the staff said we look, look at the New York Times on the right hand column. If there's nothing there about us, we can get up and go about our business. Otherwise, we've got to figure. Out. So the reporter does kind of set the agenda for some people. At least that particular elected official in in Noblesville. You know, um, I, I'd, I'd like to also yeah go ahead please. say that. The success of our newspaper was, was because we were willing to kind of step outside the box on how we delivered our news. 
but yet still use that that old-fashioned way of looking like a newspaper when people get it. Um, We do not belong to any newspaper association like 95% of the newspapers in this country do. We wanted to be our own thing. And if people accepted us and they liked our product, then, you know, it's kind of like the saying, if you build it, they will come. Uh, and, and that's the approach that we took. Uh, so, but, but, but the success of, of, of the reporter, I really believe, is not related to how we deliver it. It's related to myself, the people that work with me, being in the community and being a part of the community and, um, you know, we're, we're out. We're at events. Uh, the owner, myself, is there. The owner of the newspaper is there. The guys doing the layout are there taking pictures and talking to people. Uh, our sports editor, Richie Hall, you cannot question the job that that guy does. How does he get all that work done, all the, all the sport? You fill that sports page up with local sports news almost every day. How does he do it? I, I, Larry, I, I have yet to figure that out. Because he's been on the podcast before. We've talked sports, and he's got so much knowledge about all the different teams. And uh, uh, I want to talk about that because you have made sports kind of a centerpiece of your newspaper. And uh, how did you come about that decision to to spend so much of your resources on sports? Well, I, I think that's there's two things that you have to look at to answer that question is, one, this is Hamilton County. And athletics in Hamilton County obviously are very important, or we wouldn't be building $14 million football stadiums and $45 million or however much it is, uh, athletic complexes, for example, like Grand Park. So when you look at sports in Hamilton County, it's a big deal. And I had a newspaper publisher tell me one time that sports didn't make him any money. And, you know, that really, I think, is an incorrect statement uh, to, the, to the readers of your newspaper because people read the newspaper for sports. Uh, you know, a lot of studies show the most popular sections to newspapers are obituaries and sports. And you uh, have both. And we have both. <laughs> but how Richie gets that done, I, you know, he, he, he obviously is an understudy of, of my father, Don, uh, he was his assistant sports editor for a number of years, and Richie has uh, a work ethic that is uh, just unmatched. Um, and then also, when you bring Don Jellison, who's probably one of the more respected sports editors in the Midwest, you bring him into a newspaper, you know you're going to have a strong sports section. Well, I, I, I read him regularly when he was in the ledger. If you wanted to know what was going on in Hamilton County sports-wise, you had to read Don Jellison. And I never met your father, but I sure uh, we corresponded a couple of times. But I uh, just the stories that Richie told me about him, about how much he learned from your father and the fact that he was... Uh, there for you at the beginnings of, of of the reporter, and I know when he passed away, it was a loss for not just yourself personally, but for the whole community. He, he was a walking database of of sports knowledge. He he could tell you about games back in the fifties, you know, and and who did what type of thing. Uh, so and he didn't he didn't write anything down. It was all in his head. Uh, so when when Don passed away. 
there was a lot, a lot of sports uh, records that were kept in his head. That All that knowledge is gone because he had it right there in his head. Now, you've alluded to something that I want to explore because you don't have a large staff. You have just really a few people working with you. And often I read the paper and you are the one that's out covering the story. The Carmel election story, which we'll get to in a moment. You were you were there when there's a big county council meeting or something. You are you tend to write the story yourself. I mean, you have staff members who help you, but uh, how difficult is it? Because Hamilton County, as much as it has grown, I mean, Fishers was ten thousand people or less when I moved there in 1991. We're at ninety two thousand, we think now. And the whole that's just a microcosm of what's happening to the whole county. So how difficult are you finding it to be able to keep covering these stories when there's so much news going on and, and, and you're trying to get this news covered and, and you, you're limited by the amount of staff you have? Well, it's, it's becoming easier than what it was. And that's due to contributions from people like yourself. You know, I mean, you do a great job. And, and just for full disclosure, I, I do have a, a partnership. Uh, what we basically do is you needed Fisher's News, and I didn't have the time to cover county news. Right. And we, we just kind of trade that yeah. off and have a partnership. But go ahead. That that partnership is, is, is very important to the reporter because it, it does provide us uh, with some fantastic content for the Fisher's community and the Hamilton Southeastern School District. Um, so... It's becoming easier. We, you know, we're we've made some contacts uh, in the Carmel area that provide us uh, with photographs and cover some events for us. Um, but it, it, it is we we are a true. We we really like to think of ourselves as a true Hamilton County newspaper. And when you stop and think about the publications in this county, whether it be uh, the Current or whether it be uh, the Times. The current is regionalized, uh, and they do a great job for each of those communities. Uh, but it's it's regionalized. It's the Fisher's current, or the Carmel current, or, or you know the Noblesville current. Um, so my instructions to my staff is, I want three communities on the front page of that newspaper every day if we can, uh, because we are a county newspaper. And some of the things that you might read on the front page of the reporter may not necessarily be page one news for a lot of newspapers. But I'll give you an example. The Cicero community, the, the, we, we may have a Kiwanis article or something like that on the front page uh, that may not be news in other newspapers. Um, they want to read their name. And, and I have an obligation that if I'm going to say that I'm going to be a countywide newspaper to get Cicero, Arcadia, Atlanta, Sheridan uh, on the front page of that newspaper. And you have said you, your origins are with the northern part of the county, which is still fairly rural at this point. And if you're in Cicero, what the Kiwanis Club is doing is big news, where it might not be in the center of Indianapolis. Exactly. So uh, I think what you're saying is you have to have a sense for what the people in these smaller communities want to read. And I've heard you say this. You want at least three communities on the front of the paper so everyone feels that the reporter is part of their community, which I, I think is an, a very interesting concept uh, to try to make sure everyone feels like uh, they're a part of your publication. So our uh, growth, our growth, yeah. When you look at countywide, in the last year, has been remarkable in the Carmel and Fishers area. 
you know, we are strong in Noblesville. Noblesville is an older community, you know, of sorts. Uh, it's a newspaper community. They've always had a newspaper office type of thing for a hundred years in their town. Uh, but Carmel and Noblesville now, or excuse me, Carmel and Fishers now have outgrown Noblesville subscribers. Uh, and, and that's not to say that we're stagnating in Noblesville because we're receiving new subscribers every week, you know, from Noblesville. But the growth that we're really seeing is, is Carmel. And I think we're accomplishing that, one, with sports coverage. And, and two, is we're getting into, into some of their governmental issues that people want to read about. And I think now Carmel has said, we've got a newspaper. Well, now that you mentioned Carmel, let's talk about politics. Okay. And that's always a big part of any newspaper. Whatever else you're reporting on, that's at the center of it. And you've done some reporting on that mayor's race. And, you know, we had a mayor's race in Fishers that seemed rather sleepy compared to what happened in Carmel. And in Noblesville, you had four candidates. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, the whole controversy in Carmel was like somebody had written this out of a soap opera script. When you were covering that, and trying to tell the public what was going on. What went through your mind? How did you think, okay, how am I going to explain this whole situation to the public and try to do it in a straightforward way? One of the, one of the very few things that you will ever see in the reporter, unless it's a columnist uh, type of thing or a letter to the editor, but when it's a news article, uh, you're not going to see any opinion out of us. Our job is to bring to the readers the facts. And it's also our job to bring to the readers both sides of the fence. Uh, so the Carmel thing was a challenge. Uh, I, I received a phone call from a local attorney that said, this is what's going on. We trust you. We trust that you will bring facts to the readers. And you're not going to sway it one way or the other. So I'd like to have you in my office with my client to tell this story. And I was honored. I was honored that there was trust there in the newspaper. So again, that's one side of the facts. So we, 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 we had to reach out and, and you know, we, we had to reach out to Mayor Brainerd and some of the Carmel people and say, okay, half of the newspaper is gonna be what they're saying. We're going to give you the opportunity to fill the other half with what you're saying with facts. And my guys did a good job of that. And we tried to be fair and, uh, and equal. And that's coverage. difficult to do when you have a dispute like that where clearly both sides could not be correct, all right? Right. Somebody's not telling you the whole truth. But I think you have the right attitude. It's not your job to sort that out. No. It's the You lay it out and the public can decide you know, what they want to believe, or maybe they're not sure, but at least they've got uh, both sides of the issue uh, and, and they could read that in your newspaper. And I think that's a real challenge for any journalist. Well, first of all, by no stretch of the imagination am I a journalist. I, I, I do not really? consider myself But your publication a is a journalistic exactly, publication. Exactly, but okay. uh, I, 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 I struggle sometimes. Uh, that's not my forte. Is, is writing about events. Uh, I like running a business, uh, but when you run a small business, you have to wear a number of hats. 
and uh, there's been a few times here lately I've had to to grow up a little bit and put a different hat on. So, uh, but but it can be a struggle. But again, I go back to to exactly what you said. It is not the newspaper's job to sort the facts out. It's the newspaper's job to report the facts to the reader and have enough confidence in your readers that they can decide for themselves. Let's talk about Noblesville. There were four candidates. Uh, there were three that really were, were campaigning hard, I think. Um, and you had uh, you know, someone who had been on the city council for quite a long time. You had Mike Corbett, who had run several times. And uh, Julie, how do you pronounce her last name? Kozicki. Kozicki, thank you. I don't. I never want to mispronounce right. somebody's name if I can. I, help. I hope I pronounce it. Julia okay. Church Kozicki. Well, She's yeah, that's true. Doug She's, Church's daughter. Doug Church's daughter. Attorney, yeah. And Doug Church is very well known to anyone. Uh, he's had, done a lot of work in Fishers as right. well as other uh, communities through his law firm, and and she had connections uh, through his, her school board work. Which exactly. Is, is, which, yeah. uh, so you had a, a very interesting election. Uh, did you have any problems trying to make sure that you were presenting everything that the voters needed to know on that race? We opened our newspaper up to those candidates and, and welcomed their platform articles, welcomed their letters to the editor. Um, some of them didn't agree with how we published it or timing with our publication of their information, uh, but I understand that kind of stuff goes on in an election. It's a stressful time for those candidates. They want their information out there just like everybody else. Uh, and I tried to explain to them that, you know, the challenges of getting everybody on the same page, providing equal space, and, uh, you know, whose letter to the editor ran when and that type of thing. I, I think at the end of the day, they understood. Uh, but it, you know, you talk about some some great people. You know, uh, Julia, Mike, and Chris that that ran for mayor in Noblesville. Those are three people that love Noblesville, and um, I don't think the community could have gone wrong. Uh, with a, with either choice there, and uh, th- those are those are good Noblesville people. And uh, Chris Jensen was the winner. And, Chris uh, was the winner. And that brings me to another question. And you've written about this in your newspaper, but uh, ever since I moved to Hamilton County in 1991, and even well before that, and since, Democrats have really not uh, had an impact on local elections. Uh, you've written about the local Hamilton County party and their efforts to try to, to get candidates on the ballot had a really good story about the fact that uh, uh, Joe Weingarten, whom I know well from Fishers, who is the Hamilton County Democratic chairman, says he's going to appoint a candidate, which the party can do if someone doesn't run in the primary, uh, against Jim Brainerd. But we've seen nothing on that yet. Uh, he's did say that he did not expect to appoint anybody in Fishers or I think Noblesville, if I remember correctly. Uh, just curious, as a longtime resident here, observer, do you think the Democrats are going to be and have any impact at all on elections in the foreseeable future? Just from what you see and what you have been able to, to gather from uh, your work at the newspaper. In the foreseeable future, yes. In the immediate future, no. Uh, Hamilton County is changing. 
And it's going to take a little while for that change to begin making impacts. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, in the foreseeable future, you, you may see some Democrat Party people step up and really challenge for some offices, uh, but not in the next couple elections. Well, we do have one Democrat in the Fishers area. Right. It's in the uh, Fall Creek Township Advisory Board, which is kind of the lowest end of elected office, but sure. it did happen. And uh, the Republicans are quick to say there was a change in the election law, but it still was kind of an important thing. I have to ask you about this. Right before the election, you did something that was quite controversial. You polled your readers and put an online poll on so that your readers could uh, basically vote. And not officially, but vote in your poll of your readers. And you published the results of that poll. And I saw a lot of buzz on social media about it, some positive and some negative, depending on how the poll came out. Explain to me how you and your staff came about deciding to do that and what the aftermath was. The idea was brought to me, actually, by a candidate uh, for Noblesville City Council. I, I bumped into him at a local business, and we were talking about it, and he said, you know, at least in Noblesville here, there's really not a, a poll that, that kind of gauges how the community is thinking going into the election. And uh, I thought, wow, how interesting could that be? So... We decided, uh, got back to, to my office, made some phone calls with my staff, and we decided we were going to do a poll. And by no means was it meant to be a scientific poll. Uh, it was something that, that we wanted to see if it would work and something that we learned from. And, you know, for the most part, we didn't do too bad. Um, when you look at the overall results of the election. Yeah, on the Fishers election, I think you had all the winners on all the contested races. And uh, there were some that were pretty close, especially in the northern part of the county. You, you and I talked about that before we recorded this. So uh, as you look back on it, would you ever do something like that again? Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at the results across the board on candidates that were elected, we were 74% correct with the poll. Uh, as I explained earlier, uh, we, we, we were not correct in some of the communities like Sheridan and Arcadia, where you have a, 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 rel, you know, a relatively low voter turnout where five votes can sway the election. So we, we lost a little bit there in those communities. But I think also where there was some credibility to the poll is you look at the Noblesville mayor's race, and the percentages that we had listed were almost identical to the results. And we weren't too far off in Carmel for the mayor's race down there. Uh, so it's, yes, so we will do this again. Okay. And we have, we, we, we have some big plans for our next one. And, and we hope to, uh, to really to have learned from this one and to be able to make uh, the next one even better. And just to let people know, the reason scientific polls are not done often is because they are, to be fairly reliable and, and have any credibility, 
they're very expensive. Exactly. So most, I don't even think the Indianapolis Star pays for it. They used to pay for those. They don't even do that anymore. So uh, at this point, I, I, you know, it's almost with outside the reach of any media organization today, TV station, newspaper, to pay for a scientific poll. But you had a pretty good turnout. I mean, you had uh, what about ten thousand subscribers? I think you published that, and seventy nine hundred people responded to your poll. No, seventy five hundred right? people. Seventy five hundred. Excuse received me. Received the poll. Okay, so okay, but we. But okay, we I, mis- a, I misunderstood your. Right, I, I don't remember the total number. But it was still uh, a pretty good turnout. It was a f- much, much bigger turnout for the poll than what we even expected. Okay. I want to ask you one quick question. Uh, a big part of your newspaper are your columnists. And they're not exactly opinion. They mostly write about life. Talk about your columnists. We have some tremendous columnists. Um, you know, I'll start with Fred Swift. You know, here's a guy again that that grew up in the newspaper business uh, with my dad at the Ledger. Um, that is probably there, there's probably no one uh, involved with a newspaper that is more connected than Fred Swift is in this county with government. Uh, so so Fred kind of brings that spin to it. And then uh, our, our our other. Our other colonists—they're like rock stars with my newspaper. If if one of their columns doesn't run on the day that it normally runs, that morning my phone will start ringing. And you know why wasn't this columnist in the paper today? We we love to read her, and um, it, it's it, and, and they do. They talk about life. They talk about mom. They talk about their kids, um, and and those are still important things to me, the reporter, and I believe, obviously, from my phone ringing to, to Hamilton County people. Well, as we wrap this up, uh, Jeff, anything you would uh, like to mention, maybe that I didn't ask or just like to talk about here before we go? Well, Hamilton County's been great to the reporter and all the people that provide us with information and, and uh, whether it be sports, whether it be obituaries, whether it be news, uh, government items, uh, I appreciate that because we couldn't do it without them. Uh, we are a small staff, and uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing for me to be able to provide people with a voice in the community. And that's the way I approach the reporter is we want to be the community's voice. One last question. You spent, I think it was 14 years as a police officer. Does that uh, help you in trying to deal with police news, which is a big part of any small town, or actually any local newspaper? I shouldn't say small town anymore in Hamilton County, but certainly local newspaper. It it helps, you know, having the law enforcement background helps understand or sort through some of the stuff that you receive from the police departments. And then in that career, I was I was lucky enough to develop relationships and and trust uh, with individuals that are now police chiefs in this county uh, and sheriff in this county or past sheriffs in this county. Uh, so I may have my foot in the door a little bit more than just the news beat police beat reporter might have. Uh, so it, it, it helps. It, it certainly helps. Jeff Jellison is the publisher of the Hamilton County Reporter. If somebody wants uh, to, 
to uh, subscribe to your newspaper. Explain how you do that. Readthereporter.com. It's just that simple. You just go to our website, readthereporter.com, click on the subscription tab. Uh, a year for to have the newspaper delivered uh, six days a week to your email box is $5 for the year. And that's a year, not a month or a week. It's $5 a year. And if you want the, if you want it delivered to your email box and you want the print edition or you just want the print edition, it's $6.50. And uh, That may be the greatest bargain in Hamilton County. I, I, <laughs> I, certainly. You let me say it. You didn't have to say it. I think it <laughs> thank is. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Jeff Jellison, thank you so much for joining All right, me today. Larry, thank you. Thanks to Jeff Jellison for joining me on the podcast. Check out the Hamilton County Reporter at readthereporter.com. This is the Larry in Fishers podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I write the LarryInFishers.com local news blog from Fishers, Indiana, a suburban community northeast of Indianapolis. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.